0: Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film.
1: (laughs) It's so bad!
0: Not the busiest of weeks at the movie theaters this week, but a couple new movies to talk about, and a few things in uh, home entertainment, and of course we lost a Hollywood, a screen legend. Just in the last few days, welcome. This is the Screening Room podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, and we are from MadWolf.com. And the
1: Screening Room podcast is sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater with their seventy-foot wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners. And of course, the big
0: news we got just a couple days ago: uh, Burt Reynolds passing away at the age of eighty-two. Obviously, anybody that's seen him lately, he didn't look, you know, in perfect health. But I didn't know he was that close to death but uh he it's funny we talk a lot about you being an 80s kid me being a 70s kid so by the time you knew who burt reynolds was it's probably past his his prime as a pop draw of of hollywood which he certainly was in the 70s
1: no but but uh you know his performance in boogie nights and just boogie nights generally i just thought he was so so great in that movie but no i missed all the your cannonball runs and your longest yards and your whatnot. (laughs) Although I love deliverance and always have. Yes,
0: yes. You know, he had those years in the mid to late 70s where I think they they always were saying that he was the top box office draw for five years in a row, which Mm. is, you know, hard to do. And then I think he even even admitted in his autobiography that he just was more concerned with having a good time than choosing, you know, quality projects. And that certainly bore out in the movies. I mean, uh, you know, Smoking the Bandit was hugely popular, mm-hmm. but then more of those films where he just seemed to want to hang with, with all of his buddies. Dom yeah. DeLuise yeah. and Jerry Reed and all these people <laughs> like that and just to have a good time. And he continued to be a huge presence, you know, on the talk shows, in the tabloids, whoever he was dating. And he was just a constant pop culture presence, even if he wasn't a big movie draw. And into the 80s, boy, those movies got bad. And uh, he didn't really draw anything no. anymore toward. But then, like you say, Boogie Nights was a oh, tremendous, a tremendous return, and he got Oscar nominated for that. And I was, honestly, I was surprised. I mean, he lost that to uh, Robin Williams mm-hmm. that year, lost Best Supporting Actor. Not that Robin Williams didn't deserve it, but it just kind of surprised me because it seemed like he was just going to get it that year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. he, I think he thought so I think too. He did too. Uh, but he still, I think he got a Golden Globe and got some other awards that year for a very good performance. Deliverance, great performance. Great um, movie. Great movie. Yeah. Really great movie. So, you know, it's easy to to forget through all the, the caricature of mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. over the years. You know, the Turd Ferguson, uh, Norm MacDonald <laughs> impersonation. <laughs> that is so great. From Saturday Night Live, which was great. But. You know, it's easy to forget what a huge, huge presence he was. He seemed uh, he just like was. a good
1: guy. He really seemed like a good guy, like a funny guy that liked everybody, and everybody liked and him. And a fun guy. Yeah, a guy, did,
0: yeah. A, a, a fun guy to hang out mm-hmm. with. I mean, some of those—you look up some of those um, old moments on the the Carson show, <laughs> or even the one with Jay Leno, where they, they the the one comic they throw pies in each other's faces. I mean, he was one of those guys that you just, you know, didn't quite know what was going to happen, Like to be a Hollywood star, like to be in the middle of everything. So definitely a big, big screen legend lost uh, an RIP to Burt Reynolds this week. But we'll move on to uh, what's new in the movie theaters, and I guess we're starting early for the Halloween scary movie train. We're getting back into the Conjuring universe with the story of a priest, With a haunted past and a novice on the threshold of her final vows, they're sent by the Vatican to investigate the death of a young nun in Romania and to confront a malevolent force in the form of a demonic nun. It's called the Nun. I had a series of visions when I was younger. And after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see?
1: I saw a nun. visions reach the church, and I was asked to accompany a priest to an abbey in Romania. The abbey has a long history.
0: Well, we got to look at the nun in The Conjuring Two, mm-hmm. uh, and
1: she looked scary. scary. Oh my God! And
0: yeah. the actress that plays her is Bonnie Aarons.
1: You know, and, and uh, Bonnie Aarons. This is what I learned about Bonnie Aarons, and I don't know how many of you remember this scene, but she also years ago in in Mulholland Drive. Yeah. she plays the bum that comes out from behind the dumpster, and and at that scene, the entire film pivots and becomes a whole different movie. But I recall. That bum scaring the life out of me when she jumped. Oh, and I thought it was a man also.
0: Yeah, well, if you look her up and see a a picture of her not in all this makeup, you can see why. I mean, she's a striking woman. She has very striking, very unique features. Mm -hmm. And you could see how a makeup artist or somebody could imagine, oh, I could make her scary. And they really do. Because if you remember Conjuring 2, that is a scary, freaky, demonic nun. It is so great. So so now they're, they're basing it around that demon, mm-hmm. that nun, and they... Valak. Yeah, Valak. And they bring in a whole new story going back to the 1950s. Yeah, it's like
1: 1959, and Rome has asked this priest to come to Rome because they want him to investigate the suicide of a cloistered nun. And a cloistered
0: nun means... Um, so
1: here's one of the things. Here's one of the things I like the most about this movie. <laughs> so the entire Conjuring universe, right, it's very Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's very, very Catholic. Uh, and uh, and every so often, you have the feeling that the writer slash director not only isn't Catholic, maybe has never known a Catholic in his life. <laughs> so I thought Annabelle Creation was an enjoyable film, but what it got wrong in oh, terms of Catholicism... Mad. Well, you were it just mad. drove me crazy. <laughs> so here's what I like about this one. Uh, it doesn't get the Catholic parts wrong. It doesn't. So so here's what you should know. If you know, not uh, a novitiate is a nun who hasn't taken her final vows yet. She's still studying to be a nun. Mm-hmm. Uh, cloistered, a cloistered abbey or cloistered convent. Nuns who live in a cloister... Uh, never see anyone except the other nuns in a in that cloister. They don't, for their lives. No, right. It's it's almost like I mean, there are certain monks who become hermits, right? It's it's a bit mm-hmm. like that. They live together in a group, mm-hmm. but they never leave the convent, and no one ever sees them.
0: So this one is more right on the uh, Catholic issues. Yes. And so this nun, this cloistered nun, has committed suicide. So right. they're sending. The father, Father Burke. Right? Yeah, Damien Bashir. Damian Bashir. And then he is helped out by an novitiate nun, which is played by, interestingly enough, Tessa Farmiga, who is the younger sister of Vera Farmiga, who right. stars in the Conjuring. Exactly. Films. Yeah, so there you go.
1: So and I'm I'm curious to know if they're going to work that into some future. Um, I'm guessing episode, that they will. Know, because but... because one of the things that is fun about this franchise is the way they always just you know, connect the dots so you can tell that these are, in more ways than one, really all part of a of a larger whole. And, and they, that is one of the fun things about this particular. They find episode. a clever yeah. way
0: to do that in this movie that will surprise you.
1: Yes. So they go to this convent, and and it's it's clear. I mean, from the start that it wasn't a simple suicide. Father Burke realizes that the Vatican is hasn't just randomly chosen him. And then it's not just about a suicide. like there's something else here that they're not explaining. And so they go to Romania to this to this convent, to this abbey. And this is where uh Director Cornhardy really excels um is. Once they're there, particularly the external shots, he makes the most of this location. It is creepy. It is creepy. It's, it's gorgeous. It's isolated. Uh, I mean, it just looks amazing. And then when he gets inside, it's not quite as astonishing, but it's very... You know, creepy medieval. There are all these sort of velvety shadows in these long corridors. It's very much. I just kept thinking to myself, "Oh, I could totally buy Dracula living here. Like uh-huh. this could totally be where Dracula lives." So it
0: looks, it looks the part. And we should mention that the writer, Gary Doberman, he wrote Annabelle, Annabelle Creation. He also wrote It, it and he's writing It Part Two. Right. Uh, so that's some decent stuff there. Yes. But but the the main thing with this movie, the atmospherics, the creepiness. You've got some jump scares. But other than that it just never becomes memorable no, enough. No,
1: it's a it's just a very slight film. There's not, I mean, you know, story-wise, there's there's not a lot going on. It's um, it's it's pretty simple. They come up with some very cool looking images, most of them involving, you know, like five or six or seven nuns dressed in some particular way that is pr- very creepy. Mm-hmm. You know, Um sometimes in the big habit, sometimes you can't see their faces, sometimes they've got something else going on with their faces. It, I mean, there's a lot of really cool imagery, and it's a funny thing about nuns is that there is, they're almost like clowns, or that there is just something kind of inherently creepy about them, you know? <laughs> I was going to say
0: funny. You, you've you have never really said that uh, you thought nuns were funny growing up. I've never really <laughs> heard that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But but, the, uh, but this movie actually has a little bit of fun streak to it.
1: It does, which I appreciate it. So there is so basically you've got really just the two main characters, and then there is a third who is the French Canadian living in Romania who finds the the body of, of the the nun who's killed herself, and his name is Frenchie, and um and what he's the only person from the nearest town who would deliver. Goods to the Abbey because all of the rest of Romania right. thinks that it's it's uh, unholy, an unholy place. So they make him take them there, and he's funny. He's funny, and and the the scenes that he's in are funny, and they bring just a different sensibility, which I think really helps the movie from taking itself too seriously, which I think would have been particularly because it is such a slight film. Uh, if, if it was this slight and also super duper taking itself seriously, I think it would have just been laughable. So just to 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 punctuate that periodically with with a laugh, I think really, really elevated the film. But on the other hand, it also sort of guaranteed it's just a fun time waster. Yeah. You know, I mean, the first Conjuring film was scary. It was scary, and it was well-made, and, it and it's a memorable up. movie. It yeah. does. Yeah. You know, this is not that, you no. know? It's uh, I prefer it to the Annabelles, you know, uh, but it's just a fun, yeah. creepy time waster. Yeah,
0: not great, but it'll get you in the mood for a little early mood for Halloween. Right. Next up is Jennifer Garner returning to her action roots as Peppermint. It's a revenge story centering on a young mother who finds herself with nothing to lose and is now going to take from her enemies the very life they stole from her. Peppermint.
1: Mrs. noise
0: I'm very sorry for your loss. We have three suspects in custody, but they're all linked to the Garcia cartel. No witnesses have been willing to step up. They
1: did it. Is He's it possible that your recollection isn't what you thought it was?
0: The evidence is insufficient to hold the defendants
1: over for trial. You think that you're going to have justice? Make them all pay.
0: years ago riley north just disappeared completely off the grid so she spends the last five years doing what training well that's new you honestly think riley north did this today's the five-year anniversary of her family's murder she's back where's that title come from that title comes from basically an ice cream flavor that her, okay. that her young daughter uh, likes when okay. they're at the carnival uh, early on. But yeah, it's it's easy to forget because Jennifer Garner, with the commercials and the TV shows and movie roles, mm-hmm. she's become just a sweetheart. Yes. Really. Yeah. Uh, she's
1: just your your standard sort of even-tempered mom.
0: Yeah. And it's easy to forget that she really rose to fame in that alias yeah. TV show. And as an where ass kicker. Yeah, yeah, she was an ass kicker. So she's back to that. And this is uh, the story. She plays Riley North. And she's a mom who loses her husband and her daughter in a hit ordered by a notorious drug lord. They live in L.A. And uh, she survives. Uh, She gets shot and badly injured, but she survives. Now, the whole movie starts to go wrong early on because it's set up on the entire premise is a contradiction. Because before this happens, we're told with much importance that this drug dealer is a bad dude. I mean, cross him! You know, they hold up the the badge. That's all that's left of this cop that crossed him last time. You don't cross this guy. So he kills the dad and the daughter, but when she survives and lives to get better and positively ID his goons they just show up at her house and offer her money to shut up when if he's that bad of a dude then they would have killed, killed, killed her yeah that's so, a it's
1: a pretty convenient plot turn right there right
0: away i'm like ah it doesn't really so you build the whole thing on a on a contradiction and you know if that was the only problem it'd be all right but there's there's a lot more problems and <laughs> i mean the script by Chad St. John who look at his resume and you'll see London has fallen
1: uh, oh my god that movie was so awful this
0: just it's a it's a tremendous Mash of cop cliches that are just meaningless, and one cop says to the other, The FBI wants to talk to us, and the other cop says, the
1: feds? No, the other FBI yes.
0: yes, the <laughs> feds. Uh, and you know, and that's just one example. It just confounds the problem with these just meaningless mishmash of of copisms. and it ends up being very very one note, very obvious about where it's going and then you look at the director and the director is pierre morel who did taken yeah so you look at that and you think oh we're gonna have another taken just jennifer garner well not really actually what it ends up being more like is the equalizer Mm -hmm. Uh, she becomes sort of a avenging angel for a certain part of la and but even then the action is just very bland very you, you you'd expect more it's awful bloody i mean there's a body count uh, she she takes some revenge. She and kills a lot of people. She kills a lot of people. And, I, and I'm not going to say, you know, usually on those those Taken movies, it's always somebody who their past has given them a particular set of right. skills, right? Well, that's not the case in this movie.
1: And we really, we never have any idea how she developed these skills. Well, you right. I,
0: we don't want to give away too much, but not really. I think what it's doing, it really wants to kick off a brand new franchise. Sure. Uh, I so, I think so. Maybe if they get another one, they'll delve into her past a little bit more. But no, you really don't. But Jennifer Gardner, for her part, creates a likable, not really
1: believable
0: <laughs> uh, type of antihero. But she is likable. She handles her physical scenes well. And I do appreciate that the, the camera, the movie in general, doesn't oversexualize her. Uh, that is a nice change of pace. It is a nice change of pace aside from an incredibly long-lasting lipstick. <laughs> got to find out where this stuff is made because no matter what she's into or who she's killing, oh, it's still glistening. So that that's impressive, but no, it's a good point because other than that, you know, the camera doesn't ogle her mm-hmm. or they don't put her in certain outfits or whatever, but you know, she still makes a a pretty good badass, but the whole thing is there there's no authenticity to it whatsoever. I mean, you got kids living on Skid Row who have gleaming white teeth fresh from the <laughs> orthodontist I mean it just goes on and on there's nothing uh, authentic about it the setup is so hasty there's no really reason to get invested it's just here we go let's have some revenge killings and a lot of body count and even that is not stylish at all mm-hmm. so pretty uh, pretty disappointed with peppermint so that's really all we got going at the multiplexes this week let's go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. So we'll have a snack and talk about, boy, one of the best movies we've Uh seen Uh in a Uh while. Hereditary is out this week.
1: And you know what? We don't normally... Bring home that much in home entertainment because we've already seen it, and we watch too many movies really to rewatch that many that are available. But this is one I'm going to watch again yeah. because I want to see it a hundred times. I <laughs> want, I want to study it. I want to see everything that's happening in all of the little rooms of the yeah. buildings that she's creating. I, I love this movie, and I love the detail. Yes,
0: in it. and there's a lot to take in about it, and I know it can be very polarizing. We've talked to some people who don't like it at all. Yeah. Although, although. I talked to somebody just the other night who said I take it all back. On I saw second viewing. on second viewing, I loved it. I'm like, "Bingo. Right. There you go." So I,
1: honestly, if you're on the fence or if you think to yourself, "Why didn't I like?" I mean, I'm not if you hated it, I'm not saying watch it again, but if you if you're on the fence or you're thinking, "God, I feel like I should have liked it and I just didn't try it again. Try yeah. it a second time."
0: Yeah, we loved it so much. It's so effective and can be taken Different ways. Yep, yep. That's the main thing you can think about it. But still, chilling,
1: gorgeous, gorgeous to oh, look at. Performances just top about bottom, the performances. Just yeah, to bottom just the performances. Fantastic.
0: So big, big recommendation for Hereditary. If you haven't seen it, or if you want to see it again, we definitely are. Check it out. It's out this week. Also, won't you be my neighbor? The oh. documentary <laughs> about Fred Rogers. I've, I've, I would think it's got to be the front runner for the Oscar for best documentary this I, year.
1: I would hope so. And here's the thing: if you haven't seen it, you definitely, definitely need to see it. Be prepared to ugly cry. Just prep yourself. <laughs> and not because it's sad. It's just no. because It just makes you sad for our world today that he is not here.
0: Yeah. And, and we probably didn't deserve him when he was. Right. No, I'm know. sure we didn't. Yeah. So definitely want to check out Won't You Be My Neighbor. Adrift is out this week. It's Shailene Woodley and Sam Clayton. this tells the true story of a woman who was lost at sea. And it's set up well, and the ending is is well done. Some of the some of the shots uh, when the ship and when the, the uh, woman gets to uh, her fiance uh, get caught in this hurricane are very impressively staged. But it's what's in the middle, you know, the, the the setup is well, the ending is done well. But boy, it it meanders toward some real pandering, I thought, which was which was unfortunate, right. as it gets toward the conclusion. Because it's a it's a harrowing story. And you know me, I'm a sucker for this true life yes, stuff. Yes,
1: and also anything in, in the water. In the water, You're exactly big right. You're a in the water guy.
0: And, and Shailene Woodley, who it's a producing we credit her. here, she's very good. Very good. And she's good in it. And so is Sam Clayton. They mm-hmm. You know, they spend a lot of the movie by themselves. Right. And they do have a lot of chemistry and they're very talented. But, yeah, they take some storytelling choices that uh, I thought were just a, a little too safe, a little too pandering. Oh, but there's still some things to like here, especially some of the set pieces involving the uh, storms and getting caught in the in the hurricane. And that's Adrift. Also out this week is Beast.
1: I liked this very much, and uh, it didn't get a much of a theatrical run, so probably if you get a chance to see it, this might be the only way. Uh, it's a very, very remote, small town, and there's a series of murders. And uh, an awkward woman who has kind of a haunted past, but you don't really know what it is, she kind of develops a crush on the man who turns out to be this small town's number one suspect mm-hmm. and uh, it just kind of looks a lot about sort of your inner demons hers his everybody's it's really it's really interesting mm-hmm. and and the performances are great
0: and out on DVD this week an anthology movie don't see a lot of anthologies coming out anymore but my, maybe just in time for your Halloween party an anthology called ghost stories
1: I like liked this one. I can't say that I loved it, but I did like it and it's got that throwback British horror anthology feel about it. Martin Freeman is in it, always welcome. A lot of great performances. And what I usually don't like about anthologies is that the framing device, what holds the sort of shorts together yeah. is very lame. This day is a lot of effort into the framing device. In fact, it was a stage play for a long time that they have finally turned that the people who wrote it and made the play of it finally turned into a film. So, so it's not the best movie I've seen, and it's a lot more sort of existential horror than true horror, but it's it's a great one to check out.
0: Okay. Next week, a little bit busier as we look forward to The Predator. latest in The Predator series coming out. I a, know. I'm a, worried about that one. A Simple Favor. Also, White Boy Rick A movie called The Wife, which we just saw last night. Very impressive. uh, Very impressive. In fact, mark down Glenn Close as an Oscar contender for sure this year. And a movie I've never even heard of called Five Fingers for Marseille. Maybe a French film. So we'll see what that's about. So until then, let us know what you thought about The Nun or Peppermint or Burt Reynolds' memories or anything. You can always hit us up on Twitter. Keep the conversation going. You can find us at Mad Wolf. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram we're Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews, our horror movie podcast called Fright Club and other fun stuff that's at madwolf.com. So until then keep in touch if you can. The Screening Room podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. She's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room podcast. See ya. Take us out Burt Reynolds. <laughs> I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.